Hey everyone, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So I just got back from a month of travel. I was on the road for a month, uh, six different stops continuously and I just got home settling back in and I want to tell you about something rather significant that happened to me while I was gone. And yes, I shot the vlogs, the last five vlogs actually that came out uh, before I left so that I could just try to fill up my tank a little bit on the road. My tank got really depleted from um, creating the Reboot Resume course, which was amazing and life-changing, but so much work. And so this is the first vlog that I'm shooting in real time uh, in quite a while. This is going to be one of those probably long sort of personal vlogs, but with a definite bright line eating point at the end. Um, so yeah, just fair warning. Some of you hate those. Some of you love those. It is what it is. Um, so the last stop of the journey was flying from LA to Monterey. And I was with my husband and our three daughters and we landed in the Monterey airport, which I've never been to in my whole life, but I'm from there. I was born and raised in San Francisco, which is not that far away. And my husband was born and raised right in that Monterey um, area, Monterey Salinas area. And we still have tons of family out there. So we landed in the Monterey airport and as our plane was taxiing to the gate, I got this feeling, maybe kind of like a tap on the shoulder from the universe. And the thought that went with that feeling was kind of like a whisper. Psst, this is going to be your home airport. It's time to move back to California. This is going to be your home airport. And as we got off the plane, and we had to walk outside to get into the airport. It's one of these tiny little three gate airports, um, kind of like Durango, Colorado, smaller than Rochester even. Um, I was walking through the airport and the feeling got stronger. It was like being able to feel my future in the walls. And as we got our rental car, and drove out, I told David, I just had this spiritual experience and this is what it said to me and this is how I felt. And he was like, all right. <laughs> um, so we started looking at houses and we looked at like half a dozen houses in the three days that we were in Monterey, four days. Um, and you know, then we flew back to Rochester. So I wanted to shoot this vlog to talk about the tap on the shoulder from the universe, that feeling of intuition. And it, it can manifest in so many different ways. Sometimes for me, it's been a voice and I don't know whether that voice is coming from the outside or if it's inside my own head, I don't know, but it feels like a voice. Um, like how on January 26th, 2014, the universe said to me, and I heard this voice that said, write a book called Bright Line Eating. I heard that in my morning meditation and um, yeah, the rest is history there. I started the very next day writing a book proposal. 
So I want to say two things about the tap on the shoulder. Um, and the second one is sort of the bright line eating point. But the first thing I want to say about it is that um, in my experience, it's been wise for me to take action on it immediately with optimism and hope and trust and yet to hold the outcome really loosely. Because in my experience looking back, and I think I've been unusually um, prompt and responsive and trusting when these feelings of strong intuition have come to me, in my experience, it doesn't always play out the way the initial message would make it seem. Sometimes it does. So I got a tap on the shoulder from the universe on August 9th, 1994, when I was sitting in a crack house uh, with a blonde wig on my head as a call girl and um, hopelessly addicted to crack cocaine. And the message was, if you don't get up and get out of here right now, this is all you're ever going to be. And I got up and I got out. That message said nothing about what would happen if I got clean and started to live an honest life of recovery. What it said was what would happen if I didn't. And that is a future that I don't have access to because I did get up right then and I got out of there. That was a Tuesday morning. And that night, some random dude took me to an, a 12-step recovery meeting on our first date. And I've been clean and sober ever since. Um, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't heeded that tap on the shoulder. But I'm eternally grateful that I did. And um, my life has been a miracle and just beyond my wildest dreams since then. That's one that turned out kind of, I don't know, uh, the way one might think in the best case scenario, given the tap on the shoulder and what it felt like. Another one that has really panned out for me was the tap on the shoulder when I fell in love with my husband, um, David. We were talking on the phone one night, April 1st, 1999. We talked on the phone for five hours. And prior to that, we dated a few times and I'd written him off. I'd said, yeah, there's no spark here. I don't think there's any hope of a long-term relationship. Uh, but I'll be friends with you if you want. And he's like, ooh, that's not what I wanted to hear, but I'll take you up on the offer for friendship. And so we stayed friends a little bit, and he would call me every now and then. We met on December 5th, 1998, and then four months later on April 1st, 1999, he'd called me randomly, and we ended up talking for five hours. And it was on that phone call, I remember pacing around my apartment, that the universe tapped me on the shoulder and said, this is a man you could marry and stay happy with and raise kids with and have a stable, productive life with. And I remember calling my mom after that phone conversation and saying, I think this David Thompson guy is marriage material. And June 19th this year, we'll be married for 20 years. And we moved very fast after that. We fell in love April 1st. We got engaged April 10th. We bought a house April 17th. And we tried to get married the very next month, but our 
California family, all those family that we have out in the Northern California area, they're like, no, we need more time to buy a plane ticket. So we postponed the wedding one more month till June 19th. Super fast. Um, yeah, 20 years this June. That one worked out exactly as advertised. The, um, the write a book called Brightline Eating, that one was the clearest message I've ever got from the universe in terms of like words. Write a book called Brightline Eating. When I look back though, I think the point of that as it's unfolded has been more about the movement that's been created and the boot camps than the book. I don't know. I think I think the message, write a book called Brightline Eating, was to give the name Brightline Eating and to, to launch the path. But I'm so glad that I stayed open as it was unfolding because, for example, if I had said, no, I'm not starting a course because the message was to write a book. So anything else is a distraction. I'm glad I stayed open to what unfolded after that because many things I think have been equally, if not more impactful than the book. And then some messages, some taps on the shoulder have not panned out so far at all as advertised. Um, at the end of 2014, I got a tap on the shoulder. This one was in words too. Um, it said, contact Oprah now. And I was like, uh, <laughs> you know, I was starting the Brightline Eating thing. I'd started writing my book proposal. Um, it was the end of 2014. The first boot camp had already been launched. So there were 40 people going through the Brightline Eating boot camp. Um, you know, the email list was at like 800 people. Um, I don't even know if I was doing a weekly vlog then. I don't think I was. I think it was before the weekly vlog. I didn't have much going on on the ball with Brightline Eating yet. The book wasn't out, none of that. But the message was clear, contact Oprah now. And um, I, I just heard her talking on the Barbara Walters special, the 10 most fascinating people of 2014. And Oprah was one of them and she was being interviewed. And Barbara Walters asked Oprah on that show, what's the one thing you need to do before you die? that if you don't do it, your life will feel incomplete. And Oprah looked her in the eye and she said, I have to make peace with my weight issue. And Barbara Walter said, really? Still that? You're still stuck on that? I thought you would have gotten over that a long time ago, which I thought was such a, oh, I was so in, in so much pain about that reaction. I was like, ah, of course she's still stuck on her weight issue. How could you be Oprah Winfrey and just know that you can tackle anything and still have this weight issue and have that make any sense? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, of course she's not going to have peace until she understands how her brain is blocking her weight loss and why this pattern of recidivism and incomplete success or lack of success is like happening when it's so out of step with the success she's able to manifest in the rest of her life. Of course, she's not going to have peace until she um, figures out what's going on there. So anyway, the universe said contact Oprah now. And I tried. I totally tried. It's not easy to do <laughs> to get through to Oprah Winfrey. Not easy to do. And um, 
Sure enough, what happened just a few months later was that she invested a small fortune in Weight Watchers. She was ready to do a serious weight loss journey and I wasn't able to get through. So what was the point of that? I don't know. Is something still going to happen there? I don't know. <laughs> like I hold all that really loosely, right? Um, but looking back over my life, I feel good about my responsiveness when the tap on the shoulder comes. And now the second point, which is the bright line eating point. There's research on this. Dr. Richard Wiseman, who's amazing, um, and wrote a book on luck. I forget the name of the book because I've read the articles, not the book, but he, he studied luck for eight years, lucky people and unlucky people. I've talked about this before in old webinars and vlogs and stuff. But research shows that one of the things that chronically lucky people do as compared with people who self-identify as chronically unlucky, chronically self-identified lucky people listen to their intuition. And it turns out that to listen to your intuition, you have to be clear and present. Otherwise, how would you hear it? How would you even be able to respond? Now, how I listened to my intuition that morning in that crack house, that was a matter of grace from my perspective. But in general, of course, it makes sense and the research bears this out, that if your channel is clear, you're going to be able to hear your intuition and you're far more likely to be able to pivot in response to it. And there bright line eating comes in. Because when you're not all cluttered up with what you've eaten or not eaten, whether you're on your plan or off your plan, how you've done today with your food, how you plan to do tomorrow with your food, how many miles, how many calories, how many pounds, when you're not just stuck with all that and you're feeling grateful and centered and empowered and peaceful and clear with your food, and you're in a right-sized body or on your way there, and it's all aligned, there's so much more space and room for those messages to be received and then acted upon. And then I just wanna reiterate point number one, which is at that point to hold it all loosely because one never knows the import or, um, source or meaning of a message like that, right? And um, I guess not everybody gets them. I don't know, you know? I don't know. I will say that we got back to Rochester and crunched the numbers and we can't afford to move to California. Like we don't have the money, not even close to move to California. So, okay, what does that mean then? I don't know. But I do know that David and I are open and we keep, you know, looking at houses online, looking at the numbers and, you know, wondering what our next move is and um, staying open to the possibility. That's all. That's all. Maybe it'll be like the Oprah thing and nothing will come of it. Maybe it'll be like the Bright Line Eating thing or the recovery thing and, you know, we'll be figuring out a way to do it and packing up a moving van soon. I don't know. We'll see. 
I am a big believer in trusting and enjoying the dance with the universe because there's a lot of majesty and a lot of mystery going on. And when I stay in tune with my bright line eating journey, I am in the flow of that. And leading by that example and inviting you to be in that flow too, just to sit with the awe is one of my life's passions, you know? It's, it's, it's my calling here on earth. And if you don't get a tap on the shoulder, I do wanna say that in my opinion, a sufficient substitute for that is just showing up to every day with bright lines bright and just saying, okay, here I am checking in for duty, <laughs> ready to participate and give my all to this day and to set aside my preconceived notions of what this day should be and then just letting it unfold. That's the one day at a time equivalent of the tap on the shoulder. And that's the weekly vlog. I love you. I'll see you next week.